When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Ahmed Zappa. You're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology, the fucking best show there is. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed, again, Martin Popoff here with another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Media. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of a different thing this time. Well, I suppose they're all kind of different, but we're going to concentrate on one band here. I mean, last episode, this kind of just popped into my mind, and I couldn't get out of my mind. I wanted to do this. I don't think I've ever debated this directly with people, uh, you know, in a radio interview or anything like that. What we're going to talk about this episode is Metallica and production. Metallica's productions. The history of Metallica's productions in five songs. Okay, so to get started, why do I want to do this? Well, I've often thought it was quite fascinating the different sounds Metallica got across their records, how hard they worked on it, how hard they considered it, how they always desperately wanted to do something new and different, and Basically, just a lot of blood, sweat, and energy, and thought, and sophistication goes into every album. And lo and behold, you know, uh, what are we talking now? Uh, 37 years, Metallica's only made 10 albums. Granted, there's a lot of live material, there's there's EPs, there's covers, you know, there's stuff on the side, and they've toured a lot. I mean, Metallica has been a very, very busy band. But yeah, one of the interesting things, not a lot of records out of these guys. They go a lot of years between records. So... Because uh, I want to drop down on kind of the more interesting things along the way, there are 10 albums and we've only got five songs to do this here on, on History and Five Songs. I'm going to skip the odd thing, and but I will mention it. Um, so before we get to any music, let's just uh, put in a little comment about Metallica's first record, Kill Em All, from 1983. Uh, this was a record that was made in upstate New York on very little budget, produced by uh, Paul uh, Curcio, I think uh, Curcio possibly um, uh, might be the way you pronounce that, um, but essentially they lucked out. They got a great sound on their first album. Uh, one thing I remember getting this album as a 20-year-old and hearing it for the first time is how aggressive uh, yet high fidelity that record sounded. Uh, you know, here they are. Uh, basically, uh, you know, working with Johnny Zazula, they're on a little label. Um, they're essentially, you know, making a record uh, for the first time. They're they're in poverty, uh, and yet, uh, you know, the gods align and they get a great sounding record. Now. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't think it's great sounding. Probably the band themselves don't think it's that great sounding. Um, but the fact of the matter is, 
it's got a lot of bite it's got a lot of aggression on the guitars uh, it's got a lot of treble um, you know it might be a little bit bass challenged in some ways but essentially it is uh, just a very good bold aggressive record uh, you know an improvement on the things that they were loving all the new wave of British heavy metal stuff, which, you know, generally across the board didn't get great productions. This was a new kind of music, and part of making it sound like a new kind of music is that the production was very lethal and muscular and aggressive and sizzling and electric. Okay, but we're not going to play anything from that. So, the first song in our history in five songs of Metallica's productions. Uh, this is a little bit of Ride the Lightning. Take a listen. Okay, so now Metallica uh, is recording over in uh, Denmark with Fleming Rasmussen. Uh, Lars is from Denmark, um, but you know they're moving up in the world a little bit. They're they're still they're still broke. They're still bubbling under. There's a lot of excitement about this band, but they create an absolute masterpiece. Um, we're not going to play any of Master of Puppets because I want to fold these into two because I think Master of Puppets is essentially son of ride the lightning but what did they get here so metallica again is sort of proving that they're special they're different they're on a different path from everybody else um, these are just talented people uh, they are uh, metalheads first and foremost so they are metal musicologists they know their metal but they also happen to be really really talented songwriters musicians and they're putting a lot of thought into what they're doing you know, whether whether it's Metallica um, spurring on the creativity of Fleming Rasmussen or the other way around, um, what you have here is a, a very harsh and different and new sound. You have a lot of frequency all, uh, all you know, crowded around the guitars. The guitars and bass are absolutely power-packed, caveman-like. Uh, it's a little bit of that idea that you want to de-emphasize the drums just to show how heavy these guitars are. So there's a lot of bass frequency in the guitar. There's bass, uh, you know, with, with Cliff, you basically got, also you got a bass player who is from that Getty Lee, Lemmy, Chris Squire uh, world where, you know, he wants a little bit of cut on his bass. So that's in there as well. The drums are just really dry and mid-rangey and no nonsense. There's not a lot of high end on the cymbals. Uh, this is basically uh, concentrate all the power on the mid-range and it was very, very radical at the time. Uh, Anthrax wasn't quite there yet, but Anthrax would start recording a little bit like this. Uh, as time moved forward, this very mid-rangey thing with an emphasis on guitars. Uh, but I remember dropping the needle uh, for the first time on that and just being blown away by everything about it, but especially the production. It was it was the most 
let's just uh, try to define heavy metal in production tones and frequencies uh, here and uh, and then let's just uh, let the songs do their business okay um, so that was our um, first one let's move on as I say master puppets is kind of the same thing it might be a little more refined um, a little less straight blocky and Fred Flintstone and caveman like on the drums but it is essentially the same kind of thing okay moving on number two take a listen to this this is a little bit of the shortest straw from injustice for all So what happened here? Um, basically, you're still recording with Fleming Rasmussen, but now we get Metallica, uh, you know, a, a further pathology of their idea of they're always looking for something fresh, always looking for something different. So they turn in this uh, record that at the time was a double vinyl album, uh, granted not crazy, crazy long on double vinyl, but it was proggy, it had longer songs, it was really out there, mathematical, um, it, was, it was basically... Uh, their Fleetwood Mac tusk after uh, after Fleetwood Mac and Rumors. They were they were making something that you know people were going to question how commercial could this record be. Um, and then what do they do with the production? Well, th there's a long-standing story about this. Essentially, the best way to describe it is it really doesn't have much bass. Now, Jason Newstead, uh, he's the new guy in there on bass. He's always complained about this. And, you know, there's been there's been theories that basically, uh, you know, Lars and James, as maybe some sort of a power trip or whatever, didn't want a lot of bass on the album. The new guy's the bassist. I don't know. Um, but basically, I mean, there was always uh, some animosity there. I don't think they would do anything, of course, to sabotage their own record. Um, but basically, there was always a little push-pull. Jason didn't quite fit in with these guys um, as much as, you know, would have been great. He sure looked the part. He was a, was a cool-looking dude. He was in there. He was a total metalhead coming from Flotsam and Jetsam. So there's not a lot of bass sound or articulation on this record. Um, the other thing is the guitars are a little higher up in the mid-range, so they're a little more buzzy B. They're a little bit proto-black metal, maybe. Um, and one of the very interesting things, um, snare, it's got it's got kind of a deepy, deep snare sound, but the bass drum is very articulated and cutting and mid-rangey. It basically uh, is everything that Vinnie Paul gets credit for, starting with Cowboys from Hell, their first major label album on Atlantic, and then moving forward through all those records. But probably Cowboys from Hell is the Pantera album that is the most extreme uh, in terms of production, and it's a little bit like Justice for All. But we always give the credit, all the credit, to Vinnie Paul, but 
you listen to Lars's bass drum on on Justice, and uh, and it's crazy, crazy tight. It's it's you know I always make that analogy. It's like tapping a tapping a pen on your desk kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that that album got a lot of complaints uh, for that, a lot of snickers, but it sold well, and Metallica was still going up. And this is why we're doing this episode because they were a very, very strange band when it came to their productions. Okay, so why don't we take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rockin'. Okay, so um, we are back. Uh, History in Five Songs. We are talking about the history of Metallica's productions, but they have 10 albums and we can only talk about five, so it's time to skip one. I want to skip the Black Album. It's their biggest, most, uh, you know, their biggest selling album. Um, But, you know, the production story on this one is not that great. There's not much of a story. I mean, they're with Bob Rock. Bob Rock is a great producer. I mean, this brings up the point. Producers do a lot of different things. Some producers are very hands-on, so they're engineer producers. Some producers are just very conceptual and say very little and are quite inscrutable some people say maybe don't do that much work and uh, you know in this category i've believe me i've interviewed a lot of guys who've had rick rubin uh produce records for them and uh let's just not go there um but um essentially metallica later has a rick rubin production believe it or not um seems like every band has to at some point it's a rite of passage um but basically what you have with the black album is a a full-on correction uh, from Justice. It sounds nothing like Justice, but it doesn't sound like uh, that that dry uh, thrash cult band sound of the second and third album either. What you have is, and it's not, you know, basically what you have is a very uh, professional, well-rounded, bassy, trebly, mid-rangey, everything's there. Um, sounding record. It's a good, beefy sounding record. Nobody has much uh, to complain about about the Black Album. I remember getting it for the first time and being quite ticked off because to me, it's their Judas Priest British Steel. It's the Dumbing Down album. It's the Kiss album. Uh, Past the initial single, Enter Sandman, which came out before the album. Loved it. Thought it was great. 
turned out I really thought it was the best song on the album and the rest of it had uh, had a little bit too lethargic or a uh, boring meandering quality to it um, but it is their biggest album and it's the one that absolutely broke them open it's a diamond album okay but moving on um, well let's take a little listen to something this is a deep album track that most people have totally forgotten about this is where the wild things are uh, from reload take a listen Okay, so what do you get with this? Uh, you know, there's not much of a story here. Basically, Metallica made Fuel and Refuel. They're still with Bob Rock. But what I like about these two records is that, again, they're on a path away from the conservative. They're looking for a different sound. They're searching for sounds. What can we do with the drums? What can we do with the guitars? So... Um, where where Load is, I mean, where Metallica, i.e. the Black Album, is just basically, eh, it's there, production sounds good, great, move on. Here you get uh, the personality coming back. Uh, I think commendably it is Bob Rock. So Bob Rock comes from the Paolas and Hair Metal and Rockhead and all this stuff. Bob Rock is, you know, Vancouver guy. A lot of variety to him. He's, he's a, a revival of hair metal bands and all this. So it's kind of cool that he um, doesn't have one sound. He can do a lot of different things. He's versatile, and obviously, he's been he's been the fifth member of Metallica in there for for quite a while. You know, really helped them through uh, the fame process. He's just a good grounded dude. Um, you know, friend of the band basically. But what I like is on these records, he gets a pretty interesting drum sound. He gets big you know very very uh powerful bass drum sound great guitars you know the one thing people say about these albums and it is true they you know metallic is being a little fancy a little bit alternative a little bit new metal um you know this is that makeup and short hair phase and all that stuff so there's a lot of songs on here that sound a little bit too smarty pants i would say um but the production uh helps out um because the production is pretty darn interesting okay Moving on. So, take a listen to this. This is a little bit of Invisible Kid from St. Anger. Invisible Kid got a place of his own Where he'll never be known In a word he's grown Invisible Kid never see what he did Got stuck where he hid Falling through the grid Invisible Kid got a place of his own Where he'll never be known In a word he's grown Okay, so, again, this is why we're doing this episode. Metallica are crazy nutballs when it comes to production. They they love trying a lot of weird things, and this is the weirdest they ever got. They'll probably never get this weird again, although they did make the Lulu record with Lou Reed. Um, but, okay, what you get with this... Weirdly, this also is Bob Rock. It's not Ross Robinson, yet you get total corn sepultura guitars. You get this really gutted, sort of urgent, 
cool guitar sound. It was a weird sound. I mean, when Corn came out, you know, for for all the stick Corn gets, when Corn came out, everybody loved them. All the metal heads loved them. It was a very unique, cool, interesting sound. Everybody's ears perked up and said, "Wow, what are these guys doing?" Uh, and that came from the drums. It came from Jonathan. It came from the guitar sound. Everything Ross Robinson. Um, so really, this is a this is a very Ross Robinson uh, sounding record. It, it got a lot of abuse too. Uh, you know, we all know Metallica was in some turmoil, going through some personal problems and drinking and James and then you know, and the um, you know counseling and that kind of stuff and. It was a hard time for metal and Metallica, just as they're always searching with their productions, they were really searching the world of songwriting and lyrics. What are we going to write about? So this is a very psychological album. You know, I'm, I'm going to admit it right here. I gave this record an 8 out of 10 at the time, and I still go back to it and say, I'm glad this exists. I'm just the same way. I'm, I'm glad Led Zeppelin in through the outdoor and Led Zeppelin 3 exist. You know, crazy experiments by bands. You want this stuff in there after all the years go by to give all this relief and give you something to talk about. You know, every record doesn't sound the same. Um, so I still I still can go back to this record and, and kind of like be amused or marveled by it. Um, it is a very strange album. The one thing we haven't talked about yet is the strangest thing about it is this infamous snare drum sound that Lars gets on this record. So it basically sounds like he's hitting an oil drum or, or essentially a metallic snare drum with the snares almost half off like you know on a snare drum maybe you don't know but I'm a drummer so uh, you you can take the snare thing and kind of kind of have it half off so the snares are barely hitting so you're not getting a lot of snare sound from it so you keep hearing this ping 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 and that's his snare drum um, so it's a very very weird sound um, you get out of this album it's very urgent and tight and claustrophobic like I say I'm totally glad it exists I think there's some amazing material on this record I am not a Saint Anger hater um, but it is the most reviled of Metallica albums. Okay, moving on, we're going to skip one. Uh, but I have an interesting story here. So Death Magnetic. Um, you know, Death Magnetic, uh, interesting thing about the sound of this. Uh, the big narrative was, how can a band as big as Metallica screw up the production of an album? So a lot of people thought that it was too redlined, it was too distorted, it was too sizzly when it came to the hi-hats and the cymbals. Uh, it has a very garagey, urgent quality to it. Um, there's kind of an emptiness in the middle. Um, you don't you don't really hear the mid-tones well enough. Uh, I remember interviewing Robert for this album, and at the end of the interview, I guess we just kind of fell into talking about production. And he was, you know, I said to him, I hear, I hear the idea of bass and I hear the tone of bass, but I certainly don't hear the articulation of your bass. And there was kind of like an uncomfortable silence and you could tell that he was not particularly happy with the way his bass sounds on the album. Because honestly, like play that record, you don't hear, you don't hear what he's playing. You just hear, you hear the bass moving around as sort of an abstract polymorphous sound, but you don't hear, you don't hear any articulation that you might've heard from you know, anesthesia, pulling teeth, Cliff Burton kind of thing, or, or like I said, Chris Squire or whatever. So, okay. So we get to the end. History in five songs. We can only go five. Um, so Metallica, this is, uh, this is Moth to Flame from Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Take a listen.
Okay, so where are we now? So, the Metallica production story, who knows if this is going to be their last album, but it's it's old now. Um, what you get out of this, so now they are working with uh, Greg Fiedelman. This is, this is uh, you know, most of these records, it's, uh, it's officially a producer's name plus James plus Lars. They're kind of the two leaders of the band. They're in there. They're the guys who are interested in the knob twiddling stuff. So Greg Fiedelman, um, you know, he's an engineer uh, coming up, working on a lot of cool projects. He works on Slayers, World Paint blood um nothing particularly well, off the top of my head maybe i shouldn't be saying this i i don't know if there's anything particularly crazy or eccentric about the production of that then he works on lulu but he's producer on that and he, and he works on lulu as producer so he's coming into this you know he is uh he's coming into it essentially from slayer um and a, as a producer so he hasn't done much but again James and Lars can self-produce as well. So what what kind of sound do we get? So I think they've learned the lessons, just like, uh, you know, uh, Black Album learned the lessons from Justice and there was an adjustment. Now they are learning the lessons from Death Magnetic and what they're turning in is probably their most conservative, perfect, nothing you can cl- complain about production. Andy Sneap might, you know, in a denigrating frame of mind, might call this desktop metal. But fact of the matter is, you're hearing a production that essentially is making all the use of um, uh, technology it can and getting to that point where uh, any headbanger or whatever would pause it. What would be the perfect sounding record? Uh, Hardwired is perfect sounding. It's tight, uh, precise. It's played very precise. It's Metallica going back to their roots and writing absolutely first-rate thrash songs. It's a great album. Um, And the production is uh, super, super snappy, uh, trebly snare, uh, really good sizzling high-fidelity hi-hat and... um, and cymbals and uh and again the bass is not very articulate but you're getting perfect perfect sounding razor sharp razor wrapped guitars uh you know good punchy bass drum but essentially you're getting a production that you can hear on myriad heavy metal albums across the spectrum there's nothing eccentric about it so in that respect it's actually an odd thing for metallica because almost every metallica production is eccentric except for perhaps kill them all so so kill them all is not particularly eccentric it's just good for its day and good for a new kind of music um or or good for underground heavy metal black album is not eccentric and now hardwired is not eccentric but every other production has just these cool weird things that a a band who wants to be the best who are super professional and who are going to sit there and sweat it out and try to find something different to offer their fans that's what they do across all those other records so with that we will wrap up another episode of history and five songs um hope you enjoyed this give me some input you can email me at martinpeteinforamp.net you can facebook me um twitter um i'm really good with facebook so i would love to hear your comments uh thanks again we will see you again next time Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us 
at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 